Which is able 
సత్యం టు రిలేట్ టు లైట్ టు రిలేట్ టు ఫార్మ్స్ దెన్ హీ నోటీస్ ది నోస్ which is enabling inflow and outflow of air and the related smell the fragrance which is an aspect of the earth we also noticed with the respiration that it is a happening which is conducted for the sustenance of the whole system and also to bind the incarnating soul with the form life is the means he realized that life is the means through which the soul and the body are retained together. <clears throat> he further understood the importance of the mouth and the taste and also the faculty of speech and the importance of the dentals and the work of fire through the mouth in the form of speech, fire through water in the mouth, in the enabling taste. And also realize air functioning through the nose and realized again the fire through the sight, four elements. the isolate to the fire and the light the vision the nose relates to the air and also to the smell <coughs> and the mouth relates again to fire as also the taste and then the third these are the is that the immediate perceptions he gained and he felt that uh, that this part of the face is east because east causes awakening to the beings and he felt that the the frontal part of the head is the most important part of the head all are recognized by this beings are recognized by by the countenance other than the countenance there is no other way to recognize people isn't it if there is a mask on the face and the rest of the body including the ears even if they are visible 
we cannot cognize the being. The, the most important identity card, we speak of identity cards now. The identity is mostly with the countenance or the, the face, the frontal portion of the head, the eyes, the nose, <coughs> and then the voice. Even if you don't see the person, if you know the voice also you can recognize. If you see the eyes, you recognize. But if this most important part of the body, if this is hidden, <coughs> then there is no way to identify. So he thought this is the most important part where the five elements are present, five sensations are present, the five senses are present. Only one sense, which is on either side of the face, the one that is to the left, there is a left ear. If you stand to the east, if you stand facing the east, to your left it is north, to your right it is south. So he understood the importance of the left ear as the means to listen to the sky by which he receives messages from the subtle bird. And he therefore called it north, north. To relate to the higher birds, he felt the ear which brings the sound. Ear has a potential not only to listen to the noise and the voice, but also it can listen to the voice of silence as well. The voice of silence. All senses have their subtle perceptions also. So he, he realized that the north enables him to listen, because everything happened from the north, from the North Pole and the planet. So he is able to relate to the higher circles from the North and its contrary is in the South. The right ear is in the South, where reproductive intelligences are, can relate to reproductive intelligence. That's why all initiations are done by tradition in the left ear. For higher purposes, in the left ear there, the mantra is given. The, the north, the sounds of the devas are communicable through the north, through the north or left ear. And the sounds of the pitris, the reproductive intelligences, they are also a category of devas. Their messages can be listened to through the south. So he found the very head itself as containing 
ఈస్ నార్త్ అండ్ సౌత్ అవర్ ఫేస్ అండ్ అవర్ హెడ్ యాజ్ సచ్ కంటైన్స్ ఈస్ట్ నార్త్ అండ్ సౌత్ అండ్ అబౌ then he traveled down and he found the upper torso where there is puncturing of the lungs with the help of the air that you draw in and as i explained to you in the morning this respiratory activity is the gives us the presence of a mendicant a penitent a penitent a mendicant or a penitent you call penitency you know mendicancy penitency contemplative aspects which are termed in sanskrit as sanyasi sanyasi in each being there is a sanyasi which are it conducts in a rhythmic manner the inhalation and exhalation eventually it is this principle in us which helps us to relate to the higher realms of the being and also enable us to detach or dealing with the mundane side of the being. It's only by adapting to, relating to respiration, pulsation, one can dealing with the mundane part of the existence. And again, he can also get back to the mundanity. A mendicant is one who is a is unconnected with the worldly activity. He is more in tune with the subtle functioning. All men have become masters only through the means of this respiratory association with the respiration, which leads us to pulsation, later to absorption into one's own being and later to move completely into the head. And he saw this activity is happening in him, he doesn't have to work with it. <clears throat> Listening he can work with, seeing he can work with, breathing in, breathing out, no, but smell he can work with, taste he can work with, touch he can work with. All the five sensations are the means of experience. The five sensations, for which there are five senses, and all five senses are found in the head. So, his perceptions, all perceptions can be gained only through the head. Isn't it? If someone is not perceiving well, we say he is headless. If someone is not able to grasp, they say, don't you have the head like this? 
head is not just a sphere kept, kept on the neck. Head is the, the perceptive agency, the agency of perception, and it has fivefold perceptions. So that part is fine, but then he found the one, one activity is, it is the, the respiration, it is flowing down into upper torso, coming out again through the nose, nostrils, again going into the upper torso and coming out. And it has nothing to do with your proposals. It has nothing to do with your proposals. That means the means of contemplation, meditation, and the ability to dealing with the world and to relate to the world at well, all this, that principle is independently functioning in him. So we, we, we gather here in the morning, we explain so much about this mendicant who exists in us. It is, we also know through so many seminars and meditation that it is the means by which we can be mendicants. Mendicancy does not mean beggary. Mendicancy means a dispassionate attitude towards the world because he is passionate about the subtle world. Passionate. When you are passionate about something else, the other passions don't exist to us. Is it not? When we are with wisdom, with passion, we don't think of other things. So among all these passions, the most passionate thing is to a, to a disciple is the activity of respiration because it is a round-the-clock happening. It is twenty-four by seven happening. Others have rest. The eyes rest, the ears rest, the, the mouth rests. All other senses, they rest, the mind rests, but not the respiration. It, it, it has such a different dimension. That's why it is said to be <laughs> the penitent or the mendicant in us. Regardless you, it functions. You are sleeping, it functions. You are dreaming, it still functions. You are awake and you are in activity, it functions. You are in contemplation, it functions. You are in deep meditation, it functions. So in any state you are, it continues to function and it keeps you linked to the system. It helps you to move up. It helps you to move down. And it helps you to experience expansion and contraction. It has so many functions. And he is the most silent one. The most silent one is the most active is the most silent. Even in human groups, the one who is more associated with action 
he speaks less. Those who speak more do not do well. Speakers, the talkers don't deliver much. Those who deliver, they don't have much time to talk. It's their business is to do and not to speak. And there are others who speak a lot but do a very little. That's why the in discipleship the instruction is speak less, do more. Speak less, do more. Don't do the contrary. That is not discipleship. We have to see how much we follow this. And for this, the most important example we have is the silent one who is ever at work. The silent one who is ever at work. There is an Upanishad relating to this. It is called Kena Upanishad. Kena. By whom are we existing in this, in this body? The I said, yeah, I am the most important one. You told me you can't. You can't see, you can't move on your own. This claimed is important. The ear claimed is important. <coughs> the smell of the nose claimed is important. The faculty of taste also claimed is important. The touch also claimed importance and they were fighting between them. They were discussing, discussing, discussing all the five. And the mind also joined the discussion. I said, I am the basis for all of you without me, you are not here. So, therefore, shut up. Mind is, this, is the manager while the senses are the supervisors, the body is the worker. There are workers, there are supervisors, there are managers. So the manager, the mind said, without me, where are you? All of you shut up. But then suddenly without speech, all found that their existence is getting, uh, is at crisis. Suddenly there is a withdrawal of the respiratory activity. It doesn't speak, no. It just withdrew. When the when it withdrew, the five senses and the mind they felt debilitated, devitalized, and even to the point of death. Then they understood that it's not we that are important. The mind and the five senses and the limbs of the body. All of them are functioning because of this silent one in us. Silent one. It is because of him. All are at work. <laughs> if it disappears, everything disappears. So the scripture speaks that this is the mendicant. We have to associate with See, why do we go to monasteries? 
and stay for two days silently. People in the West, we have the habit of withdrawing into monasteries and uh, be silent for forty days. It's a, it's a discipline, a forty days silence. What is it that you find in silence? In silence, you realize the presence of the respiratory activity. Silence by itself has no meaning. The silence reveals a, a silent activity in us. A silent activity which is not done by you, but which is happening in you. That is why it is called Kriya, the yoga, Kriya. Kriya means action. It is the true action on the basis of the peripheral actions of the mind, the senses and the body happen. So it has a... it permeates the whole body and it has led Puranjana, the citizen, down into his upper torso and he found the activity is being conducted not only in the upper torso but in the, not only in the head but also in the upper torso. He realized the importance of the seven orifices. Among the seven, the seven, seven orifices are in the head, the two eyes the two nostrils of the nose, the mouth, and then the two ears, seven orifices. Then he wanted to know what is the functioning of the other two orifices, which are there in the city. So he traveled down and down. He traveled down and down, and on the way he realized that the functioning of the air is in the upper torso, and the functioning of the fire is much more perceptibly felt in the lower torso. The fires of digestion, they are called Vaiswanara. Vaiswanara, the fire that causes birth, growth and all that, and nourishment. The same fire is in the stomach. If this fire is in the stomach, all that we have taken in is transformed into energy. Transformed into energy. So also carries the activity of respiration, circulation of blood, and transforming the impure blood into pure blood. We are not doing it, it is happening. So also the digestion, we are not doing it, we only know how to eat. We only know how to eat, but the, the intelligence that digests is in the stomach. So the, the upper torso predominant activity is air. The lower torso, the predominant principle is fire. Today in the modern world, 
so called civilized humans their digestion is at stake no good digestion 80% of humanity is constipated according to master alcohol 80% of the humanity is constipated and most of them are in the civilized places it is only the civilized humanity that does not defecate completely and does not defecate on a daily basis a tribal is much better with it means the one who lives in the forest he has much more lung power than us he has much more digestive power than us because he all his activity is very manual he is not dependent on machines so therefore his lung power is increased his fiery fire power is increased they can walk from one village to the other first to go to jagadamba we need an auto a three wheeler or a two wheeler or a four wheeler for everything we are dependent on machines now so the more dependency you show to outer machines the inner machines they stop they gradually become lethargic and they do not work if you go by bicycle to the office the fire engine is is much much more than if you go in an air conditioned car air conditioning has an impact on our capacity to resist the weather and added to that when you don't use the, the urgency of action the fire does not generate the fire does not generate the more and more dependency on machines the inner machines stop functioning <clears throat> so that apart he found that in the lower tars also there is activity which the fire conducts by itself the functioning of the air the function in the upper tars so the functioning of fire in the lower tars so keep happening in an undisturbed manner during your sleep hours by your hour sleep hours in our sleep hours the activity of air is undisturbed because in our wakeful hours we disturb it with our thoughts if we if we get anxiety if we get fear we get anger all those emotions they they cause disturbance to the rhythm of air likewise in the night you are at sleep it's not disturbed unless you have already disturbed it so much then in the stomach the digestive activity the fire conducts throughout the night you have nothing to do with it. you don't have to make extra effort to to digest the fire digests so the air the water and the matter that you take in they are all taken care of in the lower tarso the digestive system 
transformed into energy and transmitted to all limbs of the body. So he felt that the three parts of his body, the upper, the head, the upper torso, and lower torso, one relates to light, or awareness, another relates to air, another relates to fire. That's why if you see fire, it's sure. We say Agnaya Namaha, Vayavaya Namaha, Sujaya Namaha, Pajapataya Namaha, like that. There is an order. There is an order. Agni, Vayu, Surya. Surya means this, the light that comes through the sun. So the head representing the light, the avatars are predominantly field of the activity of air, the lower torso predominantly the field of the fire. Then he went down and up, <coughs> where it was all very, very dark, very gloomy, where there are no sensations as such. The five senses in that area are find their nemesis, find their nemesis. There is no sight there. You can't smell what is there near the artificers. With the help of your nose, you cannot smell the urine and the stool you carry in your body, do we? We cannot, we cannot see, we cannot hear anything about them. We cannot hear anything about the status of it. We cannot smell, we cannot taste, isn't it? And we cannot touch it. So that area which is at the anus, which we call the colon, the urinary tract, or the defecative tract, that's the area where you have no perception. So it is called the West. Contrary to the East, where the perceptions are very high, the perceptions are very high in the head. And they, they don't ask, they seem to be not existing, almost not existing at the base center. That's why the thought contrary to the East, it is the West. The West. And in that West, there is no activity of senses as such. They are beyond. Beyond because they are to see it's a dark area. It's a dark area. <clears throat> Where you have the organs of defecation and urination. Number one. And also an activity of sex. Activity of sex. That's the reason why sex activity is seen as a, an activity by which your awareness depletes. Excessive sex activity results in a depletion of your perceptions. You tend to be a dull head. 
tend to be a dull head. The energies which exist in Sahasrara, they are all transmitted through sex activity into the western part of your body and they, are, they find their exit. When this activity is excessive, the capacity of the brain depletes. Perceptions become dull. Perceptions become dull. The sex activity is only meant for cooperating with the nature in, in preferring bodies for the species, for the incarnating souls. Because you are given a body, you are repaying your debt to Pitris by preferring body to another. So it is an ordained duty which you perform and it is it should not be seen as a, a an eternal source of pleasure. If it becomes an eternal source of pleasure, it degenerates. That is what we have as a story of Saddam and Gomorrah. Gomorrah and Saddam, you know. In the Old Testament, the there is there is a story of Gomorrah and Saddam, where people are only indulging in drinks and in humanizing. As a consequence, the whole city was destroyed. So this city of us, which we call the human form, the more the indulgence into sex is, the more it is destroyed. The energies which are meant to move in a harmonious manner from head to foot, when, they are, when this sex activity takes place, then there is wastage of energies, neither head is supplied energies, nor the feet are supplied energies. It destroys the whole city. We have that story in Old Testament. In fact, there are many, every civilization has, civilization has stories of destruction coming through indulgence. So the West in us is seen as a place of indulgence as well. Not only a place where unclean things are, it's a drainage system over there, that apart it's also a place of indulgence. Indulgence is seen as a place of indulgence is seen as a snake pot. A snake pot. In Sanskrit, they call it bhogavati. Bhoga means indulgence. When you get into indulgence, bhoga, then you are prone for roga, that's what it says. Roga means sickness. If you don't enter into the field of bhoga, if you don't have roga, and you stand a chance for yoga, that's what There are three words in Sanskrit. One is yoga. Yoga is a state of synthesized, integrated, balanced energy. It does not permit sickness to take over. 
disease, decay and death don't happen. Then you are with the yoga discipline. If you are with the bhoga, meaning indulgence, you open doors for sicknesses. More indulgence, more sickness. Indulgence is through five senses. And much more indulgence is through sex. So then it, re- it results in sickness. And then the related decadence and death. That is why it has to be moderately utilized only to cooperate with nature's plan. That is the original understanding of sex. So Puranjana understood that also. All this education should be given to the children even before they really step into life. What man is, how man is, the form of man is constituted, how are we to relate to it, this manual, what we call the science of man. When this is not well informed and when it is not completely comprehended by the youth, they go astray, they destroy themselves. They go astray and they destroy themselves. And the more you destroy in your youthful age, the rest of your life is full of problems because your perceptions are very dull. In civilized communities, people are not able to improve their brain power. More riches, more material, less perception. Today, if you see, it is Asia that is supporting America. Why? Because too much material, too much intelligence, no studies, no universities are occupied by the students of the civilized communities. Rich men's children don't study much. Because they are, they are into indulgence. When you are indulgent, the brain doesn't function. So he realized that this is the danger in the West of his own being. So where should you stay to be highly perceptive? You have to stay in the head. You don't have to disturb the activity of the air in the upper torso or fire in the lower torso. If we carry the knowledge and function in tune with the law, the air and fire function according to their rhythms. By your lack of understanding, by our lack of understanding, we also interfere with the functioning of fire to start with and air later. The first damage is in the lower task. It starts with indigestion. Indigestion, pot bellies. Pot belly is an indication of substandard health. Because it is not, the palm is not intended to have a pot belly. This is a picture. See the palms of the master. They don't have part belly. But we have. 
That means we, we, our activity is distorting the natural form as such. Part building means Parani is asking her mother, what is part building? The waistline is most important to ensure proper form. And it, the waistline will not be in proper form unless you use the physical body adequately. Better walk than go by by motor, by car, automobile. Since we don't do that, weekends we use to go up the mountains and then we do excessive jogging and so many kilometers of walk. All this has become necessary because the physical body is not actually used as it should be used. <coughs> I told you in the morning what Master Maurya said. Fifteen minutes morning stroll, not a brisk walk. Fifteen minutes normal walk, normal walk. Five minutes conscious respiration. And doing your work by yourself and not depending on others. That means if there is something over there which we have to fetch, just like I did it now. I told Navanitam to go open Bhagavad Gita. Instead of telling him to go and open the Bhagavad Gita, if I myself go and do it, it is good for the farm. Normally the managers in the upper strata, they have assistance to help for everything. When you have assistance to help, you tend to be round some. So we start first disturbing the, the digestive system because the fire of digestion, when it is, its power is depleting, then the ill health starts setting in. Once the ill health starts setting in, there is imbalance in the system. When there is imbalance, then there are gases and disturbances to the And the lack of fire also contributes to lack of swift distribution of blood circulation. Blood circulation. So slowly the impact comes on the heart. A lazy man brings more impact upon the heart. An overactive man also brings impact upon the heart, which is in the upper task. So disturbance to fire causes to disturbance to air, and together they cause disturbance to perception. So the cause of disturbance is in the is in the down under, in the west of the being. It can totally pull down the being and bring in ultimately an Alzheimer's sickness. Today Alzheimer's is so high. You know. Meaning, after some age people are so very forgetful, they don't know who he is, who is the person. He cannot recognize his partner, he cannot recognize 
His children, he cannot recognize anyone. Why? Because the awareness in the brain went abroad. It is depleted. So this is an important aspect which he realized. And he said, okay, now I understand. Then he understood about the importance of legs. The importance of legs, the scriptures speaks very beautifully. It says, <laughs> the legs and the hands, they, they, by themselves they have no activity. They are like the blind ones, the hands and the legs. They are like the blind ones. They follow the instructions given. If you say, walk to the street center, if you propose walk to the street center, the legs take you to the street center. If you say, let me drink some water, the hand brings water to the mouth. So that's why the scripture says there are two blind ones. They, they, have, they, they do not talk. They don't have any perception of their own. The leg will not decide how it should work. How it should work. They cannot talk and they only they represent as the carriers of the form. Just like the wheels of the automobile. The wheels, the wheels of automobile move according to the accelerator you use, the brake you use, and the steering wheel that you use. The wheels, the wheels are blind. The wheels of the automobile are blind. Likewise, the legs relating to the form. They are blind, they are watered by the mind. So the scriptures say, that they don't talk. They don't talk. And then they do not see. They only carry according to the artists received from the indweller of the form. Who gives artists to them? To the legs. The being in the form gives artists to the legs. If the being is not in it, then they don't move. If the being is asleep, they don't move. If you are not in the way, automobile, and press the accelerator, the wheels don't move. So they are not, they have no independence, independent intelligence. They are the carriers and the blind carriers, if you want. Wherever you wish to move, they carry you. They are like the slaves, that's all. They are like the slaves, the organs of action, namely the legs. They are like the slaves. And then there is another blind one. He does whatever the indweller says, the two hands. By themselves they don't work. 
if they work by themselves here is our proposal it means your sickness has gone too far <laughs> sickness has gone too far that always they say and you want you want to make a signature but then it says nervous breakdown it's a sickness so the hands and legs also he noticed them they are like the servants the four servants you cannot mistreat these servants you cannot ill treat these servants then they cause problems to us it's only your ill treatment that enables any of these parts of the farm to become dysfunctional or get into a subnormal state of function this they have understood he has understood and then he ultimately found very very important one important principle in the farm and that is what is called a sharp needle a sharp needle a needle can be utilized to prick others isn't it a needle can be utilized to knit things together isn't it to knit a torn cloth a needle is useful a needle with thread you can knit things together it is a cementing agency it is also a hurting agency so the scripture says about the mind the mind can cement the the mind can damage the surroundings and receive karma which is in turn damages we don't hear this this demons of the mind the scripture says it is a cementing agency it is also a breaking agency it all depends upon the individual how he uses it and it is the true servant made the personal servant made very personal there are other servants like the hands and legs but the mind is the most important person servant it can destroy you or it can enable you to synthesize it is called visuchi the mind is called visuchi visuchi suchi means the needle the needle visuchi means a very special needle whenever we add v it is very special just like we use in english very in sanskrit they use v if you have enough awareness it is called prajna pra pra means expression pra but if you are very special in your expression you are called vipra vipra so for anything to say the adjective of speciality we use as it uses the sound v just in english we say very good very good. 
was the lunch okay for you if i ask some say good some say very good some remain silent because they don't want to say bad <laughs> so this very when it is used it is an emphasis so suchi means the needle and visuchi means especially there is a story relating to iran iraq an arabian king an arabian king he came to know this that there is a great master in arabia by name zoroaster you know the name of zoroaster while we do not so much know the teachings of zoroaster he is the one who introduced working with fire in the middle east zoroaster system is predominantly fire oriented fire can purify fire fire can destroy and the followers of zoroaster they worship fire so as the arabian king he came to know that there is a great master he thought he should send some nice gifts very nice gifts to this master only to pay his respects and he also sent along with the gifts a messenger to seek a message from zoroaster so the master then his his sadhi gifts he has given it away to his community for use and when the messenger sought a message the master gave a beautiful wooden box a beautiful wooden box he said don't open it yourself give it to the king give it to the king so the messenger carried the wooden box with a post care presented it to the king the king opened the box and within the box there was a needle there was a needle normally to the king we have to give something which is valuable no? so he gave a very 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 valuable thing which the king did not understand he sent so many gifts to the master and he expected some spiritual symbol or some talisman some magical thing from the master but the master in that beautiful vase he just gave a needle so the king pondered over it for many days why did i why did he send me a needle he said but the thought of what is the purpose of this needle he went on thinking about it. then it was bothering him so he himself thought okay let me go to the master this stuff 
sending a messenger. I will myself go to the master and ask him, what is the purpose of this need? Why have you sent me a need? Then the master said, yeah, the needle is the most important implement and I want to know how you use it. The king only knows to use his sword, his bow and arrows. He has so many other things to use, but he never indulges with a needle, isn't it? Then the master said, this needle can help you to knit the neighboring states, the neighboring kingdoms, with your approach of synthesis, approach of love, approach of understanding. You can synthesize with the other. There are so many pieces of cloth. If you are a good tailor, you know how to knit them together to make a garment. If a garment is made, you are only bringing the pieces of cloth together with the help of the needle. So the Master said, knit the neighboring nations with intelligence. Carry that kind of precise intelligence. A needle can knit and the needle can also hurt the neighboring nations. You are power. You are no doubt the big kingdom while there are so many small kingdoms around. What is the purpose of an elder brother towards an younger brother? To carry him along. Not to use your power and dominate and put them out. You see any big nation, is it, it is truly a big nation if it has the ability to get along in friendliness with the neighboring small nation. Isn't it? If, if you are a big man, the true bigness relating to you is to integrate the ones who are around you, not to distance them, not to throw them away, or not to dominate them. So the king said, use the needle to knit the neighboring kingdom. For that you need a mind that can synthesize. And if you don't know how to synthesize with the help of mind, to include, not to exclude. It is for the others to decide whether they should get included or not, but your attitude has to be always to include. Include. We study, you know, anika, anira karanamastu, anira karanamastu. Means never negate anything, try to accommodate. Try to accommodate. The mind. If it wants, it can accommodate. If someone whom you like, if he is causing nonsense, you can still accommodate him. If someone whom you don't like, a little nonsense, you cannot accommodate. It's all in the mind. It's a mind game. 
Mind includes some, excludes others. And what we include tends to be very little and what we exclude tends to be very large. When everything is excluded, you, you become very lonely. Everything around you, you keep on excluding, scissoring it away with a scissor. Then you become lonely. That's why I did not send you a scissor, I sent you a needle. He sent a needle and the message is to knit together with all that surrounds you. To knit together. Meaning, include, respect and relate in a very cordial manner. So when we are walking through, sometimes you come across some plants, some trees. You should be able to relate to it. That's inclusion. It may be a small tree. It may be a big tree. It may be a flower-giving tree. It may not be a flower-giving tree. It may be a small bush. As, as your sight shows it, shows it to you, you should be able to integrate. If you find a stray dog that looks at you, you should also look at it and say hi. You don't have to have long conversations with it. <laughs> you cannot, you don't have to stop and start conversing with it. But every animal looks at you when you move. Do you notice it? But do you pay attention to it? We are busy. It pays attention to you. It looks at you, even a crow, a dog, a cow, a buffalo. Yes, you find so many on the Indian streets. And they look to you, not only look to you, look to anyone. They are looking to relate. So, anyway, I'll come to the conclusion. This is what is the, the most sharp instrument you have in your being. In the palm, the palm provides you the sharpest instrument. That's the mind. Vishruchi Yalabhada Dasi Sahayamana. So it is only with this you can relate to the body, you can relate to the life partner, you can relate to your family, your children. You can relate to anything. Without this mind, you cannot relate. Can you? The quality of heart also is expressed through mind. The quality of heart is also expressed through mind. So how important is the mind? It's among all the weapons, weapons, the scriptures say the most important weapon is the mind. The one who has the best mind is the one who can succeed in anything. And we are all mind-born beings. Meaning, we are into a form where mind is available. 
mind is available. So he has understood the very importance of this and then by his association with the form, the self will start functioning, meaning what to do, what not to do. It is the only way by which you know the very purpose. The will, what, why have you come into the form? To fulfill. To fulfill the unfulfilled aspect of your being. That is always held in the buddhi which is, which emerges along with the mind in a human being. You can discriminate as to what is it that you have to proceed with, what is it that you don't have to proceed with. What is it you have to proceed with, what is it that you don't have to proceed with. What is your priority in life? What is priority? And he also found that all this equipment, these senses, the mind that enabled him to relate to so many things. So as much as he is unfulfilled, to so many things he relates. That's why the more the desires, <coughs> the desire is nothing but an unfulfilled dimension us. Desire is nothing but an unfulfilled dimension in us. Even at fifty years, sixty years, seventy years, a man or a woman in his sixties or seventies, would he have same attitude towards the other gender as he would have in his twenties and thirties? When he when a man is in his twenties, he has some, some understanding of the other gender, some attraction to the other gender. But in his, in his regular relation with the other gender, it is no more the lust, it gives rise to love. Because the lust part is over, the love part remains. Likewise, as you move on doing the same things again and again and again, the purposeful part remains, the non-essentials slowly follow. That is how through repeated experience we understand the fitness of a particular thing. If a person is fond of food, he keeps on eating, 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 eating. Regularly we eat, you know, we don't miss a meal. But we tend to be, through experience, more and more purposeful in our eating. We don't eat as we ate in our childhood or youthful days. Why? What happened? It's enough. I don't have to run for a pizza. Do we? It's enough. I don't have to run for a rice cream. I don't have to run for food. I manage with what is there. How did it come to you? By repeated encounter with the five senses, 
you are repeatedly encountering things with, with things you see with things you hear with things you taste with things you smell with your things which you touch what happens the in the initial depending upon the degree of unfulfillment the more is the desire when your desires are repeatedly fulfilled slowly there is a point of the law of marginal utility that's how we say in economics first cup of coffee ah in the morning very very tasty very very important second cup of coffee okay third cup of coffee you think twice then Maybe you can, you may also take a third cup. Fourth cup of coffee, this is not happy. What happened? By repeated relation, ultimately what happens, you settle down with your experience, one cup is enough in the morning. One cup in the morning, one cup in the evening. Likewise, with all the five senses, we settle down. every time people come and offer you oh, this is beautiful music this is beautiful music this is people give you cds musical cds they send you also now to the smartphone link to new different music which they feel is very nice to them what is nice to you may not be nice to me what is nice to me may not be nice to you after some time what do you do if someone sends you a link to what he thinks as fantastic music you say you respect it but don't listen you respect it but you don't listen so likewise things which we hear which we see which we taste which we smell which we touch these are all through exposure to repeated experiences a kind of fulfillment happens and you minimize your attitude to it how you are able to do that is the help of the buddhi that you buddhi see if a stray dog enters into a house the watchman makes a a gesture hey there is answer then again tomorrow it comes then again hey it goes then again it comes isn't it a stray dog it keeps coming only when the when it is negated it goes away but it is not so with a man if a beggar comes you say no please don't come he comes again we say no please don't come he comes for a third time we say no then what does he do he knows that in this house he doesn't get anything he won't come here is it why even in the beggar the discriminatory will is there he knows which house gives which house does not give because he is a human being so this discriminatory will is there and then the synthesizing mind or dividing mind is there the five senses are there the five sense organs are there 
He has seen the five elements are at work, and he understood certain things function in him, silently supporting him like the air in the upper torso and fire in the lower torso. So he realized what it is to be in a form. He felt for the first time that he took the right decision entering into this form. You don't have so many facilities in other forms. Other forms. Above all, the ability, ability to comprehend and ability to manage other forms. Man can easily manage a wild animal. He can easily relate to a mountain, a river, a valley, a forest, a garden, anything he can easily relate because he has a sharp faculty called mind and a discriminative faculty called buddhi. So he is well settled now and he said, okay, let me start. Let the game start to fulfill the unfulfilled part. So that's how the journey starts. And we continue on day after tomorrow. What, he, what did he do with such an understanding? Of course, it, it only means he thoroughly read the manual. He thoroughly read the manual relating to this human form, human machine. And he starts using it. So when it comes to usage, according to his Understanding or lack of understanding, experience or lack of experience, some things he does well, some things he do not well, does not do well. It is a normal story. What did he do in this story? We will continue when you come back from the tour to a very mysterious chaos which we have very nearby. This Buddha chaos, we call them. The very formations inside are very pristine, very pristine formations, and the cave is huge. Luckily, it is lighted now. Earlier, they were using kerosene lamps. He had to smell a lot of carbon, but now they use. They are lighted. No bad smell inside, and it leads you into deeper side of the cave, where you have a water flow. River flowing, you pass by it, then you find within the cave a mount, and on the top of the mount there is a shivalingam, very pristine, very pristine. And in olden days it was over there, the people were doing penance. There was no electrical light, but they were living there, they were doing penance. Around Vishakhapatnam there are many forest areas which are, and also some little hills which are very, very, very sacred. So among them this is mysterious because it is a cave. Actually Vishakhapatnam is blessed with two hills which are in, the, in a conical form, conical form, like pyramids, natural formation. One is at the south, another is at the north. The true Vishakhapatnam is from that to this conical formation of hills. 
టెన్ కిలోమీటర్స్ తీస్తే టెన్ కిలోమీటర్స్ తీస్తే ఇన్ ది మిడిల్ ఈస్ట్ విశాఖపట్నం దే ఆర్ లైక్ టూ సార్జెంట్స్ ఎట్ ఆన్ గార్డింగ్ ప్రొటెక్టింగ్ దిస్ టౌన్ ఆఫ్ విశాఖపట్నం దే ఆర్ ఆల్సో ఆఫ్ గ్రేట్ కాన్సిక్వెన్స్ బట్ దిస్ బొర్రా కేవర్స్ విచ్ ఆర్ డీప్ డౌన్ ఇన్ లిటిల్ ఫారెస్ట్ వీ హూ కమ్ బ్యాక్ విత్ మచ్ ఇంప్రెషన్ అండ్ యూ కెన్ రిలేట్ టు ఇట్ దట్ విచ్ ఇన్ ది కేవ్ టెంపుల్స్ ఆఫ్ యువర్ ఓన్ బాడీ దెర్ ఆర్ సేక్రెడ్ ప్లేసెస్ వేర్ యూ హ్యావ్ ది ఎగ్ లైక్ క్రిస్టైన్ ఫార్మ్స్ గివింగ్ యూ లైఫ్ ఇన్ యూ ఆల్సో సో టేక్ ఎ డీప్ ఇంప్రెషన్ అబౌట్ ది కేవ్ దట్ ఎవ్రీ సార్ లాంగ్ అగో వీ టుక్ ది గ్రూఫ్ దేర్ డోంట్ థింక్ యూ హ్యావ్ ఆల్రెడీ సెన్స్ ఓవర్ యూ డోంట్ హ్యావ్ టు గో even if you have seen here this is a place where you have to make a repeated relation because it impacts you <clears throat> it has a purpose and the place is now well organized and therefore we don't meet to know what this puranjana or the citizen what did he do with the pound we continue on thursday thank you one and all i am leaving you 10 of termination before so that we can come back at 6 o'clock without difficulty okay. namaskar